Hello and welcome to Everything Interesting Under the Sun. I'm your host, Ethan Clark. Today we have joining us the canty Chris Herms. Chris is the founder and owner of Herms Digital. It is a marketing firm dedicated to real estate lead generation based out of the sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you for joining me here today, Chris. Nice to be here, Ethan. So let's get right into it. Herms Digital. Tell me a little bit about it. Tell me what inspired you to start that. Tell me what you guys do. Tell me all about it. Man, Herms Digital started about mm, a year ago or so with just me freelancing a client just by knowing the person. Um, it was someone from my basketball team, and his dad reached out to me and said, hey, my son just got a mortgage uh, loan officer job, and he might need some help later on with marketing. Because at the time, uh, I had done, I'd been working at a commercial real estate brokerage as a marketing assistant, so I thought, why not? Um, so I helped him. I produced content for their social media, which helped them get some leads in their uh, direct messages on Instagram and whatnot. And then we moved towards uh, the lead generation aspect of it with uh, Facebook ads. So we would run Facebook ads to target them for a really cool offer that they were running to help uh, new home buyers get into homes with a uh, cash now finance later offer. Um, it was a really cool offer, so I really wanted to help scale it for them. And it worked really well. It was just with one agent to start, and uh, the offer was working really well with him, and more of their team found out about it, so um, they wanted to hire me and Herms Digital, so it kind of turned into more of an agency type of thing rather than just uh, freelancing, and that's what I'm in the process of doing is scaling it and trying to help as many real estate agents and uh, loan officers that I can. Well, that's awesome. Um, so is this is this something that you've dreamed of doing like starting your own company since you were a kid or is this something that just happened to take place and you're just riding the waves um i've always dreamed of having my own companies i've always wanted to or i've always like had an entrepreneur knack i felt like um but this company specifically um kind of just happened to be because of uh, the work i was doing with marketing i kind of just put two and two together and realized huh i could start an agency or start well it started with the freelancing but then I could start an agency by doing this and this could be a great way to generate cash flow for my first business in fact I think an agency as a whole is a great business to start as for a young entrepreneur without a ton of capital because it's a service-based business you don't need to have a huge startup cost the acquisition is you trying to get customers you get experience that way um, it's a good gig for anyone trying to figure out what they're trying to do I think what are the next steps for Chris Herms after you uh, you take this along for the ride and then you, you, you're you done with it? What, what's next? Now, my goal would be to sell the company, obviously, once I can uh, take it to a certain level and hire enough employees and create a good system um, where I can step away from it. And then I'd like to move into uh, possibly starting a e-commerce company with that capital that I made from the agency or a software as a service type of company, maybe buy one or work with a partner. I'm not too sure yet, but I know something cool, something in the future. I don't know, we'll have to see. Do you have any specific fields that you're interested in for this e-commerce company? Um, yeah, so previously I've tried a few different niches. I've done beauty, which worked really well pre-COVID. Um, I'm not sure if I'd want to try that again because I'm not entirely passionate about beauty. I'd like to do something maybe I'm passionate about, uh, like car car stuff maybe, like uh, accessories or really cool kits for like BMW. I don't know. It would be something 
more maybe basketball related even um or something a partner wants to work with me on i'm really down to do whatever and advertise for them but i'm not sure what'll be next i really don't because if you asked me the same question like three years ago it sure wouldn't be running an agency right now so wherever life takes you yeah exactly if you could go back in time one year prior to having herms digital what advice would you give to yourself oh. or any young entrepreneur that wants to Oh, become successful I think you just got to get started with doing it a lot of people are wrapped up in uh, either like their current job or school or whatever they're busy with and all those things are great but um, if you're going to be doing those and you can't dedicate all of your time to entrepreneurship you need to dedicate a little bit of time every day and you just need to start doing it and you'll pick up skills um, you definitely want to read and learn about it, but I think it's more about doing it. You definitely want to read a few books here and there and, you know, learn the skills, but you're going to actually learn the skills by doing them, I think. So, uh, I think just by starting and doing something, you'll learn what you like, what you don't like, and then, you know, what you can scale what's working and then cut out what's not. You learn a lot really quickly. You fail quickly and then you can also win quickly, which is the huge benefit of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> I really like that mindset. So something I've learned over the years is that it's much easier to start something and improve upon that and make it better over time than to just immediately create the best thing and have that be successful right off the bat. That's not really realistic. And I think a lot of people, that is the latter of the two is their view, as in they just want to create something perfect. Otherwise, they don't want to create anything at all. But I think that's a very, very, uh, it just is not conducive to success or it's improvement like it doesn't allow you to take risks it doesn't allow you to try new things and fail like what you mentioned about failing and then improving upon that like you need to fail and move upward like you don't just fail and then sulk in your failure because if you do that then you'll never improve you'll never become better you'll just be stagnant in life and that that is something i would love to just give advice to everybody try try new things even if you suck at that it's okay You'll become definitely. better over time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember when I first started drop shipping, when I, this is how it all started. I started with a few different random stores. I failed and wasted thousands of dollars on two different stores that didn't work. I was trying to sell collapsible straws and some other, uh, like, Save the Bees types of T-shirts. Eco-friendly. Yeah, Ethan remembers them. I, was, I thought Eco-friendly would sell. I was just getting into it. I, I didn't I wasn't trying to make that brand perfect that wasn't what I was trying to do the rest of my life I wanted to learn Facebook ads and the marketing aspect of it and I knew that going into it that I might not be profitable but I would learn a heck of a lot and that I did and I was able to you know the next store was a little bit better it got more sales it wasn't profitable and I had to cut it but then after that the beauty store that I ended up getting it uh, I ended up taking it pretty far before COVID shut things down but it just went to show you like it was the same exact thing that I was doing, but it took like six months to a year for me to get better at it because I stuck with it and then jumped to something new. I think that's something also pretty important too. not always just hopping from or like shiny object syndrome, just hopping from thing to thing. When you see something new pop up, um, I think it's important to at least give something its time before you just either give up on it or move to some or pivot to something else cooler and newer. I agree with that. I definitely have the shiny object syndrome sometimes. Oh, yeah, I do too. I absolutely do too. It's, it's, I feel like it's in everybody a little bit. Like, <laughs> I mean, just for me, the past year and a half, I've just been trying to discover new hobbies, new passions. And one of them was writing. I got really into writing blogs, articles, and that was the case for around a year. But now the new shiny object is podcasts for me, and I'm all into <laughs> podcasts. 
And I get that is just a natural evolution of things, so it's not a bad thing. Yeah. But it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how they're just, like, it's very common. It's commonplace. Yeah, I don't think it's always a bad thing because a lot of times it's just pivoting to something better. For example, like like podcasting might be better than writing. You might be a lot better at podcasting than you are writing and you enjoy it a lot more. Mm-hmm. There might be a lot more. There probably are a lot, a lot of opportunities too with podcasting. You get to meet some cool people and whatnot. And I felt the same thing with my career. I kept uh, moving it up. I started as a real estate marketing assistant at a brokerage and then I went to a startup company where I was their digital marketing manager. And then... I started my own company at Herms Digital, so it all kind of flowed, I guess, and I was able to pivot and jump to, well, I did jump to new things. That is important, I think, in some cases, but only if it's, like, to pivot you upwards, I guess. Exactly. So, something I realized over the past couple of months, just from starting this podcast, writing articles, all among different other things, is truly, I feel like, we as humans are capable of doing I mean first off we are very privileged but beside that we are capable of doing anything we want like if we set our mind to something you just have to work for it and you will be able to achieve that if you were to tell me two years ago that I would be writing articles for a website and I'd be have my I'd have my own podcast and I'd be going to grad school these are things I never would have thought of and I would not have thought that I'm capable of doing that but then fast forward two years later and here I am so I just like Going, continuing on with this one piece of advice, I really think you, you yourself are the limiting factor in your growth. The stuff that you think of yourself is contributing to you being stagnant in life. If you have very lofty goals, and yes, you will achieve lofty goals. Like that, that's just how it is. You have to the very cliche saying of shooting for the stars because then you'll land in the clouds is very true. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Like I've said that multiple times to people. Like I, sh- like that's what I did for all my businesses and whatnot. And then I just it ended up being something completely different. But I still, you still learn a lot. And like you said, you you land in the clouds, which is still pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I already, cool clouds are really cool, man. Yeah, they're still pretty cool. Herms Digital. So that began in your time during college or when did that start um yeah so it began while I was in school my junior year when I first when I met the first client I'd say um I ran the e-commerce stores my freshman and sophomore years of college and that was pretty difficult being in school and whatnot while doing that but I was able yeah junior year is when I started the agency fully for some of the listeners Chris attended ASU and SCC for a little while and then he He dropped out to pursue marketing and his own digital marketing firm. Tell me a little bit, a little bit about the mindset or the journey. What, like, what came for you to decide to drop out of school? And do you think that reflecting on it was the right decision for you, or do you think you would have main or continued on with college and gotten your degree? Uh, for me, absolutely, it was the right dis- decision to drop out, and I always had that little tick in the back of my mind that like wanted to, but uh, it's a little bit different once you actually get there and you have pressure from all your friends are going to college, uh, your parents, they both went to co- well, in my case anyway, both of them went to ASU and graduated there, um, their parents went to the same thing. So there's, I guess there's already pressure on you. And then that's just something from a young age, like you're just taught by your parents, ingrained by teachers, parents, like go to school, get a job, like that, you know, that sort of thing. You hear it all the time, obviously. Um, but my freshman year of college, when I uh, had to stop playing basketball, 
uh, is when I kind of realized that maybe that wasn't the best route for me. It was, uh, I guess, the traditional route. And I was really interested in that entrepreneurship thing. I wasn't sure what, yeah, I was really, my freshman year at like 18 years old, I was really interested in the stock market and I, not really so much business and marketing yet. That was more, I learned that in the year or two, like as I was in this journey. But I really just knew I had a passion for something else that wasn't exactly what I was uh, spending most of my time at school for. So it was really, I guess, I don't know, it was kind of like uh, butting heads, I guess, just because like I didn't want to try hard in school, but it was really difficult compared to high school because in high school you can get by with, without trying a lot of times in most cases. College, no, not so much. Uh, I finished with a pretty low GPA. <laughs> uh, I just, it, it was a lack of effort and it was really difficult to do. So my recommendation would be, it, it really just depends it, what your situation is and what you want to do with your life, I guess. If you're really into business, I would try sales first. Um, I mean, I would stay in school until you realize that you want to do sales or something else, I guess, where you can make a full income. Sales is, I think, a good start for a lot of people that don't know what they want to do, but they like business. It'll, it'll just throw you in real quick, and you'll learn kind of the whole process about it. And you have the opportunity to make a ton of money, which I like. Let's get into the abstract ideas now. Continuing on with school and education, oh, yes. are you a fan of the current state of education, as in higher education, universities? Are you a fan of how that is structured? Would you like to structure that differently? Uh, yes, I would very much like to structure school differently in like 90% of cases. Um, I'm not really sure too much about the nurse, doctors, lawyers, engineers. I, I'm, I can't weigh in too much about that, but uh, I'm, I think those people need a degree probably or something very similar to it. Um, but as far as business and people that have no idea what they want to do or the more useless degrees like liberal, liberal arts or something like that, for example, something more useless like that, like... I, I just like why like why I don't really understand like I th there's a better way to do things I think and I don't think it's in school I think it's either with a job or someone needs to create something cheaper it just it's just not in a good state with the price for what you're getting and what that degree is worth what it equals on the actual job field it's just not worth it anymore it was barely worth it I think like 30 40 years or it was probably worth it 30 40 years ago in most cases but now Prices have gone up like 5x in a lot of cases or more. And, you know, like wages haven't gone up 5x. So, I mean, I, I just don't understand the real value in it right now, in most cases at least. I think that I don't know what that system is. Maybe you'll start a school, a business school someday. I know a lot of people try to do that sort of thing, but it just, I don't know, just a little bit different. I, I don't know. There's other ways to get education, I think. You can still learn without school. But well, to dig deeper on that. Say you did create your own Herms yeah. Digital Business School. What would the curriculum be? What would you focus on? What things would you not care about? Oh, man. Um, I would throw out, well, at least, well, going back to, like, well, I guess in high school to start off, so you have at least a little bit of a background. Uh, I'd throw in more financials, taxes, uh, basic business, um, account like accounting some of the basic uh, life skills I guess more in high school and then in college I would make it more like where you can uh, choose a field I guess um, and then from there I think you can take classes that would nah, I'm not still not sure like there's not I still don't, I don't have a good way what is your I don't views, have a better way what are your views on the authoritarian way of doing things such as 
you take a test and based on this test and how well oh, you no. score on that, <laughs> that dictates what you should do. You don't no, do that? No, not okay. at all. Uh, there's, I think there's got to be a, a, still a better way to uh, make not even – I don't know if you need tests or what. I think just real experience is really the best. I don't know if grading is necessarily the best. I always felt – but everyone's a different learner also. Mm-hmm. I always felt my best way of learning was to actually just do it and, like, just fail at it until – I learn it. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit there and read it and not really get the full concept or look at it and just not really understand how it all moves together. I need to actually be doing it to understand the process. Yeah, and this goes back to just yeah. failing by doing. And Yeah, you got to do. That's why, like, when school, I just, it just drives me nuts because I'm not really, like, I feel like I'm not really doing anything. I'm just reading a whole bunch of stuff to pass a test. Like, I'm just reading stuff to pass a test and then forget about it. When you're doing something, you're you're doing it for a reason. You're doing it because you either want to learn it, or you're like planning to use it for the future, like for a reason. School, you're kind of forced to learn, you know, a certain certain thing. And I'm not really a big fan of that. I mean, I agree with that to some extent, though. For instance, with me falling down a science track, like the yeah. stuff that I'm learning, I understand it may not be useful. And like, for instance, the first two years of classes, my prerequisites. Like, I may not have been useful. It's not going to be something that I use in 10 years from now. Right. But it's still going to provide me with the base layer of education that I need to build up into the more difficult and advanced topics. That's true. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, you're also, you're also like, your curriculum was a lot different than mine. Like, I would, I would definitely agree with you for science-based, like STEM and science-based and all the doctor and medicine type of degrees. I mean, I don't know. I just think business is a tad different. Oh, I, I agree. Like, I, agree. I, don't, I don't know. Some of those classes, I was just like, what's, like, come on. Like, can't we learn something, like, that we're doing today? Or, like, you know, all the stuff that I'm doing in my business now, I didn't learn a thing of that in college. It was all from buying courses on my own or from uh, mentors or people, usually younger people, too, that are, like, 30 or younger doing this type of stuff, which is really cool, I think. It just shows the world. Or it, that's what I, what I kind of got from all that was that the world's kind of going in a different direction so I wanted to uh you know jump on that now so I can you know if I'm a 21 year old marketing expert imagine if I keep this path what I could be at 40 so that's kind of just my thinking of it I could be an early adopter kind of like you know uh like the dot-com boom in the 90s mm-hmm. the people that knew computers inside and out in the 90s it's kind of a similar thing with digital marketing and digital marketing boom with Facebook ads TikTok ads now all that sort of th- Google ads um if you learn it now, it's only going to get more complicated in the future. I think those early adopters will have more success for sure. Amen to that. It's interesting to think about what the world will be like from, I mean, from my perspective, artificial intelligence yes. in 30 years from now, but also from your perspective and the marketing and the business side of things, like what will be different in 30 yeah, years from now? Automated. And, <laughs> and you have, nobody has a clue, but it's like, it's interesting just to theorize on what potentially could be the case as in tiktok like where did tiktok come from the next social media <laughs> I like, <don't> know. <laughs> well, let's let's think about it right now though so we have for social medias you have linkedin which is a professional social media yep. you have facebook which is the family oriented social media mm-hmm. you have twitter which is i don't even know what you classify twitter as like a an okay. external network like a source yeah, of like a yeah what would you describe twitter as like because it can be used like there's definitely still like comedy and entertainment but it doesn't have to be there's a lot you can I guess there's a lot of people you can learn from and like individuals I guess with I don't know 
Twitter's a little bit different from the rest. Yeah, I think Twitter is in like an uh, amalgamation of the different various social networks. Yeah. But at the same time, to continue with that, I think Twitter is the most, at least in my eyes, is the most overpowered, or not overpowered, but uh, like the best social network because it encompasses, you can have your family, you can have your friends, you can have comedians, you can have sports, news, all that. I mean, at the same time, you can have that with things like Facebook, Instagram, but I think Twitter is much a much better medium for that. But to con- continue on with what we're saying, so you have those three, and then you have Instagram, which is for the aesthetics and the looks and all that, and then you have TikTok, which is the <laughs> reels and like the lifestyle. Yeah. What what else is there that we have not already hit on? Um, I think I think those are like the real big ones as far as social media. Um, I know, but what like oh. what new revolutionary social medias do you think we could come up with? Oh, oh, to connect certain types of people. Yeah, I mean, like oh, you have SoundCloud as well. It's another one for yeah, the music. SoundCloud. What about oh, th- this just come up the top of my head. Something like Tinder, but like connecting singles. I guess. I mean, obviously, like Tinder already is yeah. that. That's connecting individuals. But what about like a community of singles, like where they all connect, like all can connect. Like but almost like an Instagram or like a group chat even, but like a group for, finder type of deal. Yeah, I don't know. That's just like that's just like what popped into my mind first off. There's already a ton of business social networks. Um, I just like would think of different fields. I guess like that would, you know. But then it just turns into more of like a group chat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess because like TikTok wasn't anything new when you think about it. I mean, it's just kind of like Vine but longer. And it has some of the same elements as, like, Instagram is still scrolling. But I don't know what the, I don't know what the, if there will be another one. I mean, there probably will. There will have to be, like, life cycles to these social medias, kind of like mm-hmm. how Vine died. But that was also because they didn't run ads and they didn't make any money. TikTok is making tons of money and running ads. So it's interesting to see where that could go. It could be as, I think it could be as big as Instagram one day. And I also think Facebook is dying out. Instagram very slowly but mm-hmm. I think TikTok is the new leader at least for content and like it's pretty huge at least for e-commerce and whatnot people are selling things like crazy yeah the public perception of all Facebook or formerly Facebook now meta companies yeah. <laughs> right now it's kind of in the dumps at least for me I never go on Facebook I very rarely go on Instagram and that's pretty consistent through a lot of people that I know but 10 years from now with the push for the metaverse and all this what do you think do you think facebook will continue down this enemy the antagonist path or will they win over the human or society and like will they become the the star child again man it's hard to tell because with what meta well with what meta becomes and the the whole the universe behind it and everything if it becomes like a whole new world it could be like the respark of social media and boom facebook's at the top again but if it's not then i don't know maybe it'll slowly fade away and new social medias will take over like maybe tiktok or other ones that'll be invented throughout time but i mean I don't know. What do you think? Do you, do you have an opinion on it? On what part? Um, do you think that um, they either are going to die out? I think Facebook will definitely come back into the spotlight of being the what, like the loved social media or social media company with, with, meta with and everything. yeah with the metaverse okay. like with the metaverse. I think they have the first movers advantage. They have they're the big name company. They're the first ones that announced this and now. Everybody else is following them. They also have the data. Like, no, yeah. they have all the data, all too. The data. 
But if you think about it just with in terms of cryptocurrencies, for instance, I'm not going to get into any, like, we don't have to argue about cryptocurrency at all. <laughs> I just want to make this example. Bitcoin, for instance, it may not technologically be the most advanced cryptocurrency, but it has, it has the first mover's advantage. Therefore, it has still remained at the top. And with Facebook transitioning into the metaverse, it is the first metaverse company everyone like all the other companies followed but because facebook was the first one and because facebook has the data and because facebook is gigantic they will most likely be the hot spot for metaverse activities and you can already see this kind of thing happening where metaverse or the meta meta is trying to force people to join their metaverse like for instance i read something online that with all these evangelical churches, the, like such as the ones in Texas, I don't know the names of them, but they're now transitioning their sermons to the metaverse. So therefore, if you want to go to the sermon, you must attend it through the metaverse. And this is an easy way to attract multiple different groups of people. And then on top of that, there are now concerts that are happening solely in the metaverse. If you want to attend this concert, you must go into the metaverse. All these different avenues of funneling people into the metaverse they are already happening and people not people are not really aware of them but it is happening and i'm not saying the metaverse is feasible or it's not i'm just speaking the reality of the situation that is my view on it but to take a step back back into marketing what do you think is the most important skill for a for someone in your position to have or for to become a successful marketer, a successful business owner? One would be the drive. You just gotta have, you just gotta wanna do it. Like you wanna, you gotta have something driving you either, whether it's making money, improving someone's life, whatever it is, you have to find that. And then secondly would be to stay up, to find, at least for marketing, to find the latest, I hate to say this, but the latest and greatest, which seems like, like contradictory to say, because you know, I said don't do shiny object syndrome earlier, but like, there's always with digital marketing, it's always gonna be uh, like there's never just like one way to do things. There's it's always gonna be changing and getting better or worse. Like for example, like I've stuck with Facebook ads for a while, and they've changed so much stuff in the past four years. I've had new clients come to me that say they used to run their ads however many years ago, but it's just too complicated for them now, or they're trying to do the same thing they did four years ago and it's just not working. It's because the whole, the entire way ads are run and targeted and all that has changed. And in, in order to stay on top of all that, you can either read articles all day or you can, you know, spend money and actually, you know, test ads and figure it out for yourself. And I, doing both of those really helps. But like I said earlier, the doing it and spending money yourself or spending money for clients um, is the best way to test that out and learn, I think. You're not a proponent of reading articles explaining things like you you i know you mentioned you like to learn by doing things but do not read oh no i read a ton yeah (laughs) no no i'll read a ton if i don't know how to do something i instantly go to look it up but um as much like like for example something that i've been trying to do recently is uh to gain more um clients or more people on the phone for sales calls at least is uh by cold emailing them which is basically just me sending an email from my domain and saying, uh, like, hey, would you be interested in getting 20 extra appointments per month for your real estate business? My goal, obviously, would be to hop on a call with them. Um, the main thing, it's a pretty simple process. I took a course, like a six-hour course on it and learned, you know, the proper way of doing things. 
Um, but you know, once you do that, you, it's kind of it's in my hands now, and I've been not proactive on it. I haven't done it yet, which is kind of like what I'm saying. I can read all about cold emailing. I know I can t- sit here and talk for the next hour about cold emailing because I did that course, but I haven't sent out. I've only sent out a few. I should be sending out. I could be sending 30, 30, 40 a day, and I think that's kind of the part where you gotta you know learn. You, there's got to be a balance, and you got to be doing it to actually achieve like results. <laughs> From this experience, what have you learned in terms of introducing yourself and selling yourself in these cold emails or just in any business meetup? Meet uh, definitely to uh, be confident in what you're doing um, and have a offer ready to go. Um, you don't want to be making stuff up on the spot. You also want to do your research on who you're talking to ahead of time so you know uh, like what to say, what not to say a lot of times. Um, and I guess closing deals, it's it's pretty fun. Like once you start to, I guess, once you get the hang of it and you learn how to do it. But wait, could you repeat the question one more time? If I look at what, um, what advice or what tips have you learned throughout this time of sending cold emails and having business meetups with different clients? What have you learned to improve yourself? Oh, yeah. So definitely the confidence. And then. Uh, number two is uh, don't back away from your prices. That goes mostly for entrepreneurs, um, especially with the way inflation is nowadays. Um, we should be raising our prices, if anything, especially for smaller businesses. Um, you just kind of got to, the best way I've found is to just state your price and be silent. And if they have objections, they'll say so. Um, but most of the times, if you're speaking with someone who is qualified for your business, if you're with a higher ticket service like mine, um, if they're, they'll, they'll they want results, so they're willing to pay, you know, whatever that takes to get them results. So you got to look at it like that, not just, um, like, whatever your time you put into it also. Um, because time, it's, you got to look, that's the other thing about running, that's also a huge thing, huge, probably the biggest thing when running a business or agency, don't look at it like hours worked and money, money made per hour worked. That's not a good way to look at it. Um, that's not a good way to grow your business. That's creating a job for yourself and keeping yourself uh, in the business. Uh, I think it's better to take an outside perspective on how you can grow the business and, I guess, hire or delegate other tasks to actually run the business. Um, I think that's the best way. That's the probably the biggest thing I learned. Um, and then same thing goes for pricing like as well. It doesn't necessarily have to, like, if it only takes you an hour to do something, doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be X amount of dollars for your hour of work. Um, I think your expertise, your knowledge on the subject, um, all the, you know, like I said earlier, like those thousands of dollars I spent on testing, uh, I have that knowledge. So that's also what they're paying for too. That's one way. That's probably the biggest piece of advice. What you mentioned about creating a business for you to take a step back and have other people take it over. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very powerful statement because why are you, I mean, just from a very egotistical idea, like why are you creating a business? You're creating a business to succeed and to become wealthy off that or to solve some niche problem that you are trying to yep. take over, whatever. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to do it all yourself when you can have other people take over the, the reign and exactly do it for you like that just doesn't make sense why exactly. are you creating a business to make yourself more busy yeah exactly then you just created a job for yourself which exactly. is a huge mistake most uh, especially first-time entrepreneurs make they end up working 60 80 hours a week and it's just like all of them um, there's more efficient ways to do things sometimes that's spending money in the beginning but 
uh, in the long run, it's usually more efficient. And also, you're creating jobs for other people, which is super awesome. Uh, you know, you provide, you know, clothes, food for someone else's family if you're hiring. Um, and then, as far and then, if you're making other people money, you know, it's it's a it's it's a positive. I think you might not necessarily be like directly saving a life, like a nurse or doctor, but you're putting uh, clothes on kids' backs and hot soup for kids at the table. <laughs> Chris Herms, a selfless man. <laughs> <laughs> going back to marketing and just the way you go about doing things is the the is your approach to marketing is it mainly facebook ads like different like website ads how how do you do this um so i would say before anything it's results oriented so whatever that takes whatever platform that is in like whatever scenario or whatever the client whatever whatever the client needs basically but i specialize in facebook ads but um, that's where I've seen the most success in most of my clients. But in some cases, like a new client um, I'm taking on, uh, I'm thinking TikTok ads might work for him best. Uh, he's selling a, a custom surfboard that's a pretty high ticket, but he already has like a decent following on TikTok. So, and he gets, you know, thousands of views and thousands of likes on all his organic content already. And he's already selling boards himself. So I'm thinking, huh, why not TikTok? You know, that's the, I've heard really good things about e-commerce from there. Not necessarily the high ticket stuff, but it would definitely be good for me to test, especially because there's not a ton of competition there yet. Outside of your professional life, first off, before I begin with that, seems like you're a self-starter. So I'm curious, outside of your professional life, what things hobby-wise or interest activities have you randomly began and it was the coolest thing ever? Like what, what out of the ordinary things do you do that you think you would like to share with people man i think getting a dog and well well the thing that well well back up first uh taking the dogs to the uh, dog park is a pretty fun thing or taking dogs on walk it's a super therapeutic thing and i would have had no idea because i never owned a dog growing up uh until recently now i have two but uh i've become a dog guy and i would have never thought that because i was scared i was like i wasn't scared uh, yeah i was scared of them probably more than anything and i didn't really like enjoy being around dogs until I got two of my own. Now I love them and they're pretty they're pretty fun to be around and just to watch do their thing. So that would be the number one hobby is being being a dog dad. Mentioning see so you mentioned you like to watch them do their thing. <laughs> Having dogs, have you like studied their habits and what oh, they've yeah. done? Like have you gone into very the depths of the, your, your brain thinking about this? Oh, yeah, definitely. I always think about just, like, how they think compared to, like, how humans think because, like, they're, how dogs think, you know, it's eat, sleep, like, I don't even know, just, like, they just have, like, their own set of, like, things, tasks they need to do. I just find it so interesting and sometimes super funny just the way they go about their business. <laughs> yeah, having a dog, I, I've never had a dog myself or a cat for that matter, but having a mid-sized animal... As opposed, I, I'm saying mid-sized because I had a hamster, so it's, oh, not, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, not comparable. Yeah, yeah. But having a mid-sized animal, it's pretty much like a, a step down from having a little child because you have to raise oh them. You have to God. essentially create their identity. Like it, it is a very big task to take on. So I applaud you for that. Yeah, it's like raising. Especially I got them both when they were six weeks old. It's it's one of them still like six months so they poop pee or like it was like i haven't raised a kid but i imagine that's the closest thing to it like they wake you up in the middle of the night they cry they are running around they eat your furniture like they're just looking for trouble 
Let's get into college basketball now. So Chris over here was an ex-college basketball player. You attended for, you were, tell me a little bit about that story. Um, so I played, well, I shouldn't say, I, play, I redshirted actually my freshman year um, at Scottsdale Community College. I had a scholarship there that I received my senior year in high school. Um, so in high school, um, I played club basketball for Arizona Power North, and I played high school basketball for uh, Mountain Ridge. Uh, I had a few good seasons, but I was dealing with some uh, knee problems my senior year, and I ended up having to sit out the whole time. I had a D2 offer in Colorado. I didn't really like the school a ton, but it was, it was still pretty cool. But I'm glad I didn't choose it in the long run. But uh, I ended up going with Scottsdale Community College pretty close by. Um, I ended up moving to Scottsdale for the year, but my knees never got better. Uh, I was going to physical therapy like three, four times a week on top of all the Scottsdale workouts and everything. And they were getting worse, if anything. Um, I eventually had surgery, just like a, micro, or a scopology, I think it's called, where they like go in with a little microscope and see like what's good in your knee. And they did that, and they found uh, no cartilage, and well, very little cartilage and no cartilage in three different spots in my knee. Okay. So basically, he said that all the uh, grinding, the bone on bone grinding, was creating cysts in my knee, and it just wasn't good. It, there's like there's pretty much nothing I could do unless I got a full uh, stem regrowth surgery. They basically take your cells and regrow them in a lab, your knee cells or whatever, your, to grow cartilage back, and then. Um, yeah, they basically inject it back into you, and it's like a full year or two recovery. It's like basically like having ACL surgery, a little bit more than that, some say. Um, but he said that would have, with my scenario, since there's three different spots, he said that would have about a 10 to 20% chance of working. So I had to decide, like, right then. I was, I was already kind of falling out of love with basketball just because I'd been out for so long. I couldn't play. Every time I, like, tried to play, it just was painful. So it just wasn't fun. And then I was spending like 35 hours a week in that gym just like sitting there. So it wasn't like the best situation. But I mean, I got to see how hard those guys worked. And I got the full experience for sure. I was still working out with the team and everything. Um, and I got to see like what being a college athlete's truly like. And it's, it's a lot of hard work. You got to have a lot of love for your sport, the game, to stay with it for four years. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I ended up not, not playing that year. And then scholarship went away my sophomore year because I wasn't playing and took a step away from the game and went at business instead kind of focused my energy from basketball to business and that's where we're at now in an alternate reality where Chris Herm's knees are not extremely messed up oh, how far do you think you would have taken basketball and be realistic oh, here don't just say oh I would have went to the NBA no. like where no, do you my, think you actually so my goal yourself? Yeah, I had my goal, like, my whole life, I guess, or more so in high school because things start to get a little more realistic once you hit 16, 17, 18. Uh, my goal, just based on my height and skill skills at the time, was to play professionally overseas, like, anywhere, honestly. I really didn't care. I'll, first, my main goal was to play Division One. That's why I went to junior college was to uh, try to see if I could play at that level and give myself another year or two. Um, but either play at a high D2 or low, mid D1 level, and uh, hopefully I would be taking it pretty much more serious. I probably wouldn't be running any of these businesses or anything. I'd be uh, I'd be taking basketball like my full-time job like I was previously to like when I discovered business, and I'd probably be working as hard as I could to play overseas and get picked up somewhere after I graduate college. So, yeah, I probably would have been a college graduate and 
who knows maybe i would have picked up some random some random country i would have been cool anywhere mexico like any of the european countries even if at a lower salary it would have been really fun i feel like and a cool experience just to live over there meet new people like play basketball like what more could you know it seems like a dream come true for me mm -hmm. but i like how things turned out too it like, seems as if it all worked out in the end yeah Hopefully we're not at the end though, too soon though. But we got <laughs> hopefully more like eighty more years to go. But um, going back to your, just remember, try to remember the moment when it dawned on you that you will not be able to continue basketball because of your knees. And I know this is not; it was not in your own like you. It's not your volition to choose that you want to stop playing basketball. It was dictated by something else. So try to think back to when that happened and what was your like, what were you thinking um well when the doctor told me I wasn't really too shocked I was kind of more looking for an answer because at that point up to that point before they looked in and saw I had no cartilage I, I was just told I mean I was just told I was being a baby really just because like <laughs> nobody knew what was wrong I didn't have a ACL or MCL tear I just had like random knee pain and inflation like you know they're like oh you should just be able to play through that like uh, like obviously I'd love to like basketball is my love like I, trust me I'd be playing right now if I could but that wasn't the case but um I'd been hurting for like over a year probably like my senior year of high school is when that started so it really wasn't like a huge shock to me when the doctor said that I kind of already made my mind up I was kind of hoping in the back that he would just have an answer and be like yeah this isn't gonna happen buddy and then I could finally I, I would have closure I guess and I could be like okay and not just be like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I play? I had, I had, I guess I had some closure. So it was more of a good thing. I could finally like just peacefully take a step away from the game. Well, that's good. Yeah, no, it worked out in the end. I know from my experience, I, I'm not saying I could have played college basketball or anything, but the way I stopped playing basketball was based on my own stupid activities. <laughs> so if I were to take it back, I would have never have done that. But that's not in the cards, so I had to. Work with what we got. Yes. Um, now to, I want to hear your answer. This is unrelated. This is a different topic now. Oh, cool. I want to hear your answer. What is the best purchase you've made under $200? Oh, okay. Um, under $200. I got to, I got to, do you have, do you have something while I think? Or? My answer I, would be AirPods. I Ooh, can that explain is, that. That's a good one. I have the AirPod, the Pro ones I got were, oh, are, pros, yeah. are insane. I had the normal ones before, but since we got locked out of our office at, at my old job, I, I lost those ones. They just finessed you. They yeah, just they finessed picked up me. on some new AirPods. Yeah. But yeah, oh. no, what's your answer? Let's hear it. Oh my gosh, a hundred. I'm just trying to think. Oh, Lululemon shorts. That was a great <laughs> one. That, that that falls like, you know, at 70 bucks. So, you know, way under 200, but... uh I wear those shorts all the time. Very comfy. I'm going to invest in more pairs. And shout out to Ethan Clark for putting me on those shorts. Yes, sir. Gr greatest shorts ever. Go get yourself a pair of Lululemons if you're a dude. Or a girl. I'm sure they're comfortable for girls to do their stuff. I don't know. This is not an endorsement for Lululemons. Not an endorsement. This is just very true. If you don't believe me, buy it for yourself and find out. But, um, okay. So you said Lululemon shorts. Yeah, I think that's a good. Yeah, I think that's got to be under 200 bucks. What is the best purchase you've ever made then? whoa that's so there's two things one probably well one is a pretty interesting story when i first when i bought um a <laughs> a done for you like it was a one-on-one -on -one mentorship done for you um e-commerce store from and that's kind of like how I, that's what i did on the third one on the beauty store 
I worked with a partner to help me create it and run the ads. And I spent $3,000, which was a ton at the time to me, to do that. And I really wanted to make it work. Uh, it was a month. It was literally a month of calls that were once a week. Yeah, that's like basically I pay $3,000 for four calls in a basic store. And at the time, it almost seemed like a waste because like we weren't getting any sales or anything. But and then they slowly started like ghost me. They were real sketchy about it. But like three or four, they set up the basic structure for me to look at. And they taught me enough in those, you know, four or five hour calls that I was able to take it and run with it. And I was able to reach out to a new partner and we were able to do great things with it. At the time, it seemed like I got scammed out of three grand. But <laughs> looking back on it, that's kind of what kickstarted all of the, all of this, like my ability to run Facebook ads. Like that's where I really scaled and spent over $100,000 on a single campaign. That was the first time I've ever spent over six figures, especially of my own money. Then uh, that might be it. Facebook ads for my yeah. own money. Yeah, <laughs> that might be the best purchase or. Yeah, that's got to be the best purchase. Facebook ads or that $3,000 course. Most return on it, ROI, biggest ROI for sure. Something I've heard countless times is that a having a mentor is the most invaluable thing you could have. Would you, going back to the question I asked you in the very beginning, of what advice would you give to yourself a year ago wherein your response was to learn by doing, mm -hmm. do you think that would still be your answer or would you change that to having a mentor or to find a mentor? Um, I don't, th so... I think it really varies for everybody differently. I don't have like a mentor I just like go to for every single piece of advice. Like I don't have your traditional mentor. I would say I have people in my life that act as mentors or like um, can answer a question when I need it or that work with me or are partners with me. But um, I think it just really depends. If you find someone like in your exact niche, what you want to do like exactly and you find like that person, yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. But otherwise, if you don't, I guess, have that, like, that perfect person, then, I mean, you can obviously look up to people and whatnot, but you may not necessarily need a mentor. I think you can help, though. I want to see my goal. One of my goals is to seek a mentor, like one that's exactly like probably 10, 20 years older than me, exactly where I want to be in the future. Probably like pretty close, pretty similar, like marketing, probably starting a marketing agency and then pivoted to something else. That would be, I guess, my form of mentor for now to help me with business but I don't think you need one. There's this quote I heard recently, and it's talking about mentors. It was it, along the lines of, why would you learn 20 years worth of stuff and then come to, like, you learn the 20 years of base level knowledge just so that you can finally reach the knowledge that you need for you to be able to contribute to the field that you want to work in. Whereas if you were to have a mentor, a mentor would essentially you just pass down this 20 years of knowledge for you to start off right off the bat contributing to this field and i think yeah. that's very true i, I think, think it's true too having a mentor is something that i've always looked for i've never been able to find it's pretty difficult like yeah. i, I yeah, truly I don't even know how to go about doing that exactly. you just send out an email hey uh you have to obviously build a connection first and do that and it gradually comes but i think it's first the first thing is very difficult to find someone that has the like exact stuff that you, or has the exact knowledge that yeah. you are looking for in the, the same similar field and similar goals as you, but then to find that and then to have them be an uh, like an amicable person or have them be friendly and you guys create a good relationship to eventually create a mentor, I think that's a pretty difficult uh, process. But it definitely, I've heard it is 
invaluable. So I, I'm gonna just, probably a big yeah. ROI on that yeah, if, you, if you find if you find the right one, obviously. Exactly, the oh, ROI yeah. is massive. Yeah, I need. A, yeah, I, and like, but in my case, it might be slightly different because someone might not have 20 years of uh, like, I guess like age. I guess agencies have been around. It's just different, you know. It just evolves over time. So mm-hmm. it is the same, I guess. It's just the technology changes, mm-hmm. I guess. What is the best decision Chris Herms has ever made in his life? Oh man, um, so I already said the dog. The dogs were a good decision. Um, oh, dropping out of school. That uh, huge ROI, at least for me. <laughs> don't don't quote me on that. For but huge ROI, at least for me. As soon as I dropped out, I was able to put all my eggs in one basket, and I was able to focus on my business and growing it. And pretty much as soon as I dropped out, sale like my net volume went up. Like I was able to take more calls. It was less stressful. It was more enjoyable. Like and then life was also more enjoyable too because I was working a nine to five before. Like a literal, or yeah, literal hours of nine to five, Monday through Friday. Uh, I was having a hard time getting workouts in. I wasn't lifting or playing basketball. And uh, since I've been able to create my own schedule, I can wake up when I want and then go to the gym when I want, eat when I want, just do do things when I want, which I really appreciate. And I'm still able to do my work when I want to. So that's been definitely the biggest, biggest ROI. It's all about the ROI over here. All about the ROI. You got to you gotta account for it for almost everything in life. If an individual came up to you and was saying, "Oh, I, th- I think I'm gonna drop out of school. I don't, I don't know if I want to do this anymore," what questions would you ask them to determine whether uh, it is a good idea for them to drop out of school? In most cases, I would say don't do it, um, like just right off the bat. But uh, obviously, I want another situation. But the first question I'd ask is, "Are you making any money right now?" Two, uh, do you have any interests? Like, are you? Do you have a job? Like, what is your passions? And then, like, three, like, is you just got to figure out if school is going to take you to your long term. Like, what is your long term goal, and is school going to help you get there? For a lot of people, and then also cost nowadays is a lot of is a pretty big factor. I think I don't think it's worth it to go into student debt in most cases. So it's a lot of stuff you have to factor in. I think to like ultimately make that decision. Well, I got to say, I respect you for making that decision to drop out of school because for one, that like attending school, attending four year or attending college for four year degree, if you have the funds for it, that is definitely the path of least resistance. Like that is or scholarships, do well in high school and get scholarships Mm -hmm. like my boy. (laughs) But no, so like continuing on with college and your education, that's definitely the path of least resistance. Yeah. And that's kind of expected of you. So to disregard that and to decide you have your own destiny and for, like force that upon the reality i think i think that's really cool and i applaud you for that thank you yeah of I everyone you gotta you gotta do it whether it's dropping out of school or something completely different and just you gotta go for it if you gotta like in my case i feel like i had a tick in the back of my telling me like like business entrepreneurship and like that just like really moved me and ticked my brain so i wanted to follow that for sure to get into a more philosophical realm, what do you think is our purpose on this planet? You can take it in any way you want. Oh, man. Um, so that's a tough one. It might get kind of negative, but um, ultimately, in most cases, uh, it's probably nothing unless you're a guy like uh, Elon Musk or I guess someone who can really like change. Like I feel like there's a few people on the planet that can really like make a change, but besides that... 
I don't know. I feel like there's not like a huge purpose. Like at the end of the day, like you can create your own purpose. Like, for, like I don't just wake up every day and be like, God, I have no purpose. Like, what's the point of doing this? Like, no, like I, my, my, I have a mission and a purpose every day. I want to help my clients make more money. I want to help, which, you know, helps put clothes on kids back, which helps me make more money, you know, all these good things. Um, but I ultimately like, you know, I just, I don't know if there is a true like purpose necessarily for every single person. You kind of, it's kind of up to you, whatever you want to do. Cause at the end of the day, if you want to sit back and play video games your whole life, you totally can. And not, I don't think anything's going to be different. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. To it, to but extent. what you mentioned or what you said about Elon Musk, I don't think that's true. Like, it's not only Elon Musk that has uh, that, that can contribute to society. You right. mentioned you have your own company, you're right. providing jobs for other people, you're doing right. other things. Like, that is a, con that's a contribution a to society. That yeah. is that is benefiting humanity. That's a, yeah, I, I agree. That is a purpose. I guess I guess I took the question a little bit more like, I guess deep or like, like a long. I get yeah. That that helps people here today. Mm -hmm. Create jobs, create money, moves the economy. But your answer to the question was that the meaning of life is nothing. You just, like, I mean, that's a valid. <laughs> yeah, opinion. I mean, yeah, yeah. As much as I like, I hate to say that, and as negative as it sounds, it's what I'm starting to believe more. But you don't have to like look that way. Like you don't have to be negative and like live a depressing life because of that. Is I guess is what I'm trying to say. I just kind of yeah. I think yeah. That's my opinion on it though. To put a label onto what you're saying, it's kind of similar to this philosophical idea called existentialism this is the the framework that i believe to be true obviously there is nothing that's objectively true but right. you can just create your own yeah this is my truth which is existentialism and that there is no meaning in life aside from the meaning you give life oh. like i we are born onto this planet and there's nothing expected of us that is why we create our own expectations that's why you have your own purpose for the day that's why you have your own goals for the day like there's nothing extremely like philosophical. I mean, then it is philosophical, but there's no extreme. Oh, you have to do this or you'll fail as a human. Yeah. No, I mean you. Right. That's I. I don't think that. I think you can create your own purpose. You create your own goals yeah. in life. Like there's no, there's no set in stone way of living life. And no, but you can feel that way, and I know there's people that do live that way though. That are definitely like on the opposite spectrum that like that need to do this like every day or like their life isn't like worth living in a lot of cases and with that what, I, what is that called is that a different name that, so existentialism is on one side and okay. the opposite of that is essentialism oh, okay essentialism is you're born with an essence like you have a purpose that you need to achieve okay but I with see. that with essentialism i i'm not a fan of essentialism i think that forces you to be kind of like a robot where yeah. you are just doing things because you are expected to do this. You're not doing it because you want to do it. But then why is it rooted to begin with? That's why my question, like, are they born with that or is it ingrained as a kid? I think it's ingrained. It has to, I'm not, Parent, like, I'm not knocking on religion, but I think religion has a very big uh, no, I agree. influence on this. Like it, religions teach you to do this specific thing at a specific time. Therefore you will achieve this specific result. But, I mean, that could be true. I'm not saying it's true, and I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying that leads you down, like, a kind of a robotic way of living life where you have these yep. expectations that you must you must do. Otherwise, you will yep. fail at life. Yep. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. But on the other side of the coin, so the more negative thing is nihilism. We'll just continue down this path okay, of philosophy because okay. it's, no, it's, it's interesting. interesting. I don't, yeah, I don't very know. Very interesting topic. Stuff. So then there's also this other label or the other idea called nihilism, 
which it's kind of uh, it's it's like a pejorative. It's kind of the devil, and you don't want you don't want to be a nihilist because nihilism is a slippery slope. The idea of nihilism it's takes it's related to existentialism and essentialism in that there is no purpose. But with existentialism, it says there's no purpose. Therefore, you create your own purpose. But with nihilism, it says that there is no purpose. Therefore, you shouldn't do anything because nothing is worthy of doing anything. Because at the end of the day, no matter if I'm Elon Musk and I take us to space or if I'm Jeff Bezos and I create Amazon or whatever, like at the end of the day, it's pointless. So don't do it. That is what nihilism is. And that is a horrible view on life. That is... I don't know if you know who Jordan Peterson is. I'm yeah. sure you probably, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. do. Awesome. He always talks about how nihilism is the devil. And you don't want nihilism because it brings Sometimes you down a slippery it. slope and makes you just depressed with life. And that is very true. Like, I have people that I know are nihilists, and they all share the same view that life is dreary, life is pointless. Why? Like, there's no reason for me to be here. I might, like, it comes mm-hmm. to a point where, like, why are you even here? Like, why? Like, what is your reason? Like, why yeah. are you continuing your life if it's pointless? Yeah. And that is... That's the slippery tor- slope of, like, yeah. depre- depression. And exactly. What, yeah. Exactly. I, I see. Yeah, that's super interesting. Okay, I didn't know those terms before. I think philosophy, I've mentioned this many times, philosophy is so fascinating to me because you have the great thinkers like Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, I can go on, but all these people... If you were to take them out of their time and bring them to like the modern era, yeah. I'm sure they probably would still be geniuses. They just would not have the specific domain knowledge of our current day. Yeah. So for all these writings to be written down and their teachings and their beliefs to be written down, for us to absorb and to consume, that is powerful. Like If you think about it, you take all the different teachings from each one of these philosophers and you create them into your own philosophy... You are now the Ubermensch. You are the Overman. You are whatever Nietzsche or Nietzsche says. Hmm. But yeah, to, uh, we've been talking for a while over yeah, here, almost, about fifty-eight minutes now. So we can uh, cut this clo- or cut this Hell to yeah. an end because I know you got to do some stuff. I got to do some stuff for sure. Before I go, I want you to remember this quote from Steve Jobs: "People who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do." Thank you for tuning in. Until next time.